Allow me to pray for you this morning. God, we are so grateful for the images in this song because they're true. You have come looking for us. You have come pursuing us with your loving heart. Lord, there's nothing that we have done to be worthy of that love. We've not fulfilled some list. We've not been good enough. You have come looking for each and every one of us. Lord, today I pray for those who, they don't believe it. They believe that they've been too bad, that they're too far gone, that they've asked for forgiveness too many times, and that you have probably given up on them. Lord, today we pray that they would experience the love of Christ coming after them, that they would look into the eyes of Jesus himself and see that unconditional, undeserved love for each and every one of us. Lord, today we pray that that love would transform us, that it would transform us from the inside out, that it would change who we are, that it would change the decisions that we make, that it would change our character and it would change how we behave. And we pray together as a congregation that it would change our church, that we would be known as a people who've been changed by the love of God and that other people would want to be changed by that same love. God, we pray that you would use us and the other churches of this city so that there would be not one person in this city who has not come face to face with your love through the lifestyle, through the ministries, through the decisions of your followers. May that be true as each of us give ourselves more fully, wholeheartedly, and completely to you. Lord, we pray that would be happening on the other side of this building today as many Christians are and non-Christians are hearing the good news of your love for them through our Chinese conference. God, would you break through to people's hearts and bring hope and healing this morning and this afternoon. Lord, it's been happening at our first service this morning. It's happening in so many different ways. And would we ever commit ourselves today to being the kind of people who are so moved by your grace that it's reflected in all of our life. We thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, there's so many, I don't know. When I walk through this building on Sunday morning, there's so many things that I see that are so encouraging. And I just want to share a couple with uh, you here this morning. Um, You know, first of all, obviously we're missing a few people from our service because they're across the hall. And about half of the folks who are attending that conference today aren't um, church folks. They're folks that have been invented, invited by their friends to be a part of the conference. So we're just really excited uh, that there's a number of people who are here today for the very first time, albeit on the other side of the room, and for nine hours. Uh, so uh, they're an incredibly devoted group. Um, I see Nick Liu, our translator, who's here anyways today, translating the service, uh, the entirety of the service into Mandarin, because he was telling me just before the service, a lot of people watch it online in Mandarin. You can do that from our YouTube channel. And so he wants to make sure that, uh, you know, that service is still offered to people even though uh, many of them are across the hall today. So just so encouraging. Uh, it's great to have Jason and, and Mara Laviano here this morning. Uh, you know, Jason grew up here. He's one of, not a kid anymore, but he's one of our young men. And uh, Jason is going to be starting a new ministry in Fredericton. So Jason, uh, we're really proud of you. Uh, it's great to see you. We know we don't get to see you working on Sunday. It's hard for you to get here. Uh, but it is great to have you and your family here this morning. Congratulations to you and blessings as you start a new ministry. So, yeah. 
shortly after I moved to New Brunswick from Saskatchewan. My brother and I went fishing with a guy who lived just, uh, was a few years older than us. Uh, we were living just outside of town. He knew of a great fishing spot that was not too far from our house. So we literally went out our back door into the woods and we zigged and we zagged through trails until we eventually made it to a brook. And we spent the afternoon there fishing. Uh, when we were done, we started heading back home through the dense woods. After a bit, I could tell that our friend was less and less sure about where we were and where he was going. He was getting quieter and quieter as we walked along. And then suddenly, he stopped, he jumped up into a tree, and he climbed up as high as he could, and he looked in all directions, and he jumped back down to the ground with a big smile on his face. Now, Kirk and I were prairie boys, and we were, uh, really had no idea what was going on because, um, you know, this whole phenomenon of being lost in the woods was new to us, you know, trees, hills, and all that stuff. Um, but he, when he came back down, our friend came back down to the ground with a big smile on his face. He proudly told us that he had learned in Boy Scouts that when you're lost in the woods, you get to the high, highest point as you can find and look all around so you can see which direction to go. And we were home within minutes. Taking, getting up high so that you can see all around is great advice. It's great advice whether you're lost coming home from fishing or whether you're going through life. Knowing where you're going is really, really important. Do you know where you're going in life? Do you have a sense today of kind of the path that you're on? And do you have a sense today that the decisions that you make today will impact the path that you're on and will impact the destination that you get to? We live in a culture today that tells you it doesn't matter which path you take, we're all going to be okay. It doesn't matter which direction you go or which decisions you make. Each path leads us to being well off or financially comfortable, in good health, and happy. And that's true, right? When you go to your break room at lunchtime at work and you listen to the conversation going on around the table, everybody's doing great, right? Financially, they're, they're great. Um, they're in perfect health. And they're just happy. I mean, the happiness of the lunchtime break room, it's just kind of overwhelming. It will almost give you a cavity. Is that true in your workplace? There's a sense today that it doesn't matter what decision or which path you go down. It'll all be okay in the end. And the reality, of course, is that we know that that's just simply not true. We've been talking lately about choosing wisely. And the definition I gave you a few weeks ago is this. Choosing wisely is about enjoying the God-given benefits of life and avoiding the consequences of painful mistakes. There's an entire book in, in the Old Testament, a book in the wisdom literature of the Bible called the book of Proverbs. And in the book of Proverbs, there's actually a main character. And the main character is called Lady Wisdom. It will not surprise many of you that when they look to personify wisdom, they personified it as a lady. Um, lady Wisdom appears again and again throughout the book as characters, as people in the Bible, get to a crossroads in their life and Lady Wisdom intercedes in that moment and beckons them to make the wise choice. In Proverbs 8, verse 35 and 36, Lady Wisdom says this, For whoever finds me, that being Lady Wisdom, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. I was captured by that image that those who miss wisdom, who miss making the wise choice, they injure 
themselves. It's this idea that ignoring wisdom and choosing to live life as if it doesn't matter which path you take, all decisions will get you to a happy ending, can have painful consequences, both for us and for the people around us. And if we could have testimony time here this morning, I'd invite you up on the stage one by one. I could ask you to tell us about a time in your life when you made a wise choice. It may not have been an easy choice, but you made a wise choice. And you would talk to me and you would talk to us about how it made your life better. There was a sense of peace because of the decision that you made. And it would be much more entertaining for all of you if we continued that testimony time. And I said, now, tell us about a foolish choice that you made. And each of us could get up and tell lots of those stories. And you would talk about the consequences of some of those choices caused injury to you, caused injury to others. Because what we know is this, that our decisions determine our destination. They determine our destination. The choices that we make each and every day, small, medium, and large, all determine where we're going in life. No one writes for their graduation write-up that goes in the yearbook that by age 50, I hope to have bounced around from one career to another, never really finding any job I like. I hope to be struggling financially, dealing with chronic medical issues from neglecting my health, forcing me into an early retirement and a life of subsistence living. No one ever writes that in their grad book, do they? But we can get there. We can make choices and we can get there. No one ever writes and aspires to be a person of questionable character. I hope that people don't trust me. I hope that nobody wants to work with me on their team at work. No one sets that as their destination. But we can get there, and we get there through the decisions that we make. We're going to look at one verse here this morning, Proverbs 14, verse 27. We're going to bring it up on the screen. And uh, I'm going to get you, we're going to read it out. You can read it out in whichever language you like. And I'm going to read it out good and loud. And if it's not good and loud, I'm going to make you do it again. So this is your heads up, your fair warning. Okay, let's read it together. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. There's three images in this verse that I want us to spend some time on. The first is this fear of the Lord. The second is this fountain of life. And the third is this whole idea of turning and being turned. The fear of the Lord. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Matt reminded us that one of the key verses in the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It appears again and again in the book of Proverbs. And if you grew up in a very legalistic, black and white, kind of maybe harsh church environment, then immediately the image that comes to your mind is God has got rocks in one hand and lightning bolts in another, and he's just waiting for you to mess up, and he's going to give you one or maybe both, right? And we live then in fear, and we kind of cower and just hope that we make the right decision so that God doesn't do bad things to us. This is a superstitious view of God. And as you read through the Gospels, you will not find this view of God anywhere to be found. This word fear in the scriptures translated elsewhere also is translated as reverence, awe, and honor. So if we take fear and add honor and reverence and awe to it, we get a fuller description of what the writer of Proverbs is talking about when it talks about the fear of the Lord. We use phrase today, healthy fear. As you watch the water of the, during this flood season rising and you saw the river cresting its banks and getting larger and larger, none of you called your nieces and nephews and said, go down and play at the river. 
There's lots of water down there to be enjoyed and some logs and cottages and whatnot floating by, right? Because you had respect for the water. You might have feared it a little bit. You were overwhelmed and thought it was incredible that what the water accomplished, but you had a healthy fear of it. Or maybe you've been in a powerful thunder and lightning storm. Thunder struck and the house shook. Lightning was arcing across the sky. And you were partly afraid. You were partly trying to pick, take a picture to put it on Instagram. You were partly wondering if you might die. And you were also partly wishing that we could have a church service right now because this moment is so spectacular. All at the same time. This is what Solomon is talking about when he talks about the fear of the Lord. One theologian put it this way. Trembling is the first requirement for adoration. Trembling is the first requirement of adoration. And if we're honest today, many of us make decisions based on the fear, reverence, awe of something already in our lives. Because you know that decisions have consequences to them. And when you think about the consequences of your decision, those shape the decisions that you make. Some of you make all of your decisions based on money. You're fearful, you're in awe of, you respect not having enough. Maybe you grew up in a home where there wasn't money or money wasn't handled well and it created constant stress and constant lack and it was just, you just said, not me. When I grow up, not me. Because you had such respect for that experience that it shaped your decisions as an adult today. For others of you, it's health. Your decisions are shaped by a fear of being unhealthy, being immobile, being dependent on other people. And so your life is shaped and influenced by that fear of that. Maybe it's a friendship. You remember a time when a friend said they would be there for you and when, they needed, when you needed them the most, they were nowhere to be found. And it created hurt for you. And that experience created a decision in you that said, I will not be that friend to other people. You have a sense of awe and reverence for friendship. And you said, you know what? That's going to change the way I make my decisions. And each of us make decisions all the time based on respect for or fear of something. And as Solomon talks about the fear of the Lord, he's challenging us to ask, what do we hold in such high regard that it shapes the majority of the decisions that we make? And he says, as a wise person allows their reverence and awe and amazement of who the Lord is and what he has done, it can have the most influence on the decisions that we make. So what decisions are you going to make tomorrow that are on your to-do list tomorrow? And what would it look like to allow the Lord to shape and influence those decisions? That's the first image. The second one is the Lord is the fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. Again, if your view of God is kind of a superstitious God, that he's always angry and always looking to get you, then you need to hear this phrase. It should not surprise us that the writer uses this water image. Water is essential for life. But this passage was written in a day when getting water was difficult and it was not abundant. You and I are sitting on the couch and we're thirsty and we moan and groan with having to get up and walk into the kitchen and turn on the faucet and pour ourselves a glass of water, right? Like first world problems. When the book of Proverbs was written, getting a drink of water was a huge deal. You had to get up. You had to probably put on a jacket and shoes. You had to leave your tent. You had to walk maybe one 
or two or three miles to get to a well. And then physically, you had to get the water up out of the well and get it to yourself. It was difficult. And the writer is saying here, can you imagine water, a fountain, gushing, splashing, overflowing, abundant? This is the image that Solomon wants you to have, not of water, but of life. That your life would have, be, have this kind of abundance to it. Living well, enjoying the blessings of God, flourishing is God's hope for you. I still don't think that a lot of us believe this. Some Christians live like they're on a timeout until Jesus comes back. And my job is just to sit here and not do anything bad. Some of us have bought into an idea that says, if I'm miserable, then I must be spiritual. And the more miserable I am and the more fun I'm not having, then I must be closer to heaven. You won't find this view anywhere in the scriptures. The vision from the beginning to the end of the scriptures is that God's people would thrive. That they would live in such a way that is so attractive to non-believers that non-believers would see how they're living and want to be a part of it. In John's gospel, Jesus was attending a religious festival where they celebrated God's blessing to the people. And on the last day of the festival was the biggest day, and it was the day when the worshipers would go down to the pool, fill up large jars of water, and take them up to the temple. And they would pour them out and let the water run through the streets, reenacting the vision in Ezekiel 47 of God's blessings being so abundant, it was like a river flowing through the streets, bringing life to everything. In the middle of this reenactment, Jesus said to them, I am the living water. I want to be life to you, flourishing, abundant life. When you think of choosing wisely, what image comes to mind? For Solomon and for Jesus, it was a fountain of flourishing. That's what choosing wisely meant. I still think too many of us think it means having a small life where we don't do things and we kind of sit around and choose not to have any fun and just kind of be pathetic. It's about choosing life. Now, I just want to have a quick time out here for a second because whenever we teach on these wisdom verses, I think it's important that we have a little caveat. So let me just say two things uh, quickly. First, choosing to live wisely, you're only one part of that equation. There are going to be some of you who are sitting here today who would say this. I have chosen to live wisely, and my life has never been more challenging. And the reality is that the people around us make choices too, and we live in the consequences of their decisions. And so some of you are saying here, I am, and I encourage you, keep living wisely and keep making wise choices. But the truth is, we are not excluded from the consequences of others. Second, these verses, and Proverbs in particular, speaks rather frankly about making foolish choices as if it's game over and dead end. And I want to tell you today, that's not true. There's not been a person on this stage this morning that is not living here by the grace of God. And that in the midst of their mess and our own brokenness, God met us and gave us a second or third or 59th or 246th chance to start again. And we may will and we do make wise choices. And in the midst of that season, God's grace and mercy are there for us. So, time out over. The last phrase. There's one more phrase that I want us to see. And it's this whole image at the end of the verse about turning. 
The, the writer says that when we see the, the fear of the Lord as the fountain of life, there's a turning that takes place in our behavior. And if you're a Christian here today, you know this. Because there was a moment in your life when you were going along and you came in contact with the story of Jesus. And when you understood it, it brought you to your knees and you turned and went in a brand new direction. The Bible word for this is repentance. It literally means to be walking one way and to turn and to go the other way. And this image reminds us it's not enough just to know the right answers. God is calling us to live the right way. And that's what this turning is all about. When was the last time you changed your behavior because of information you received? You were going along and then you got some information and you changed your mind and you went in a brand new different direction. Uh, some of you would say, you know what, I used to be very loyal to iPhones. And, uh, you know, then I, someone told me about this other kind of phone and I read the specs and I actually changed the kind of phone that I use. Some of you right now had to change your hockey team. There's actually hockey teams that win games, and those, ga those teams are actually playing in the playoffs right now. Your team, my team, uh, not so much. And we've had to change and turn our loyalty to a different team so that we have something to watch. <laughs> I'm talking about something so much more profound than a phone or a hockey team. This idea of turning means treasuring something new, putting something new at the center of our lives. We used the example of finances and health earlier. To turning means treasuring financial health over the vacation or having new shoes. It's saying, you know, this used to be what I wanted more than anything, but I've changed it. I've made a decision to want this more than that. For physical health, you might say, I value being well more than brownies. A very difficult decision. Solomon, with all that he had, with all the wealth and all the power as king of Israel, says, I treasure the Lord and his knowledge and power more than anything else that I have found, and it has brought me life. Whether you like the word discipleship or spiritual growth or spiritual formation or whatever floats your boat, at the heart of being a Christian is the journey to treasure the Lord more than anything else in your life. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Treasure first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. May I provide some profound pastoral counsel at this moment? This is really hard. It takes a lifetime to figure out and we make mistakes at it sometimes. Because treasuring something new means that we have to stop treasuring other things, things that we've built our life around. And whether those things were just unhealthy or maybe we gave them the wrong priority or whether they were sinful, it's a major shift. And treasuring something new requires humility and a teachable spirit. The humility to stop, admit, admit you're lost, climb a tree, see which direction you're going in life, jump on down and head the right way. And if you want to be certain today of whether you're heading in the right direction, make the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the awe, the honor of who the Lord is and what he's called you to, the most influential thing in your decision making. Hold on to this vision that God has for you of a flourishing life and be humble and be willing to make the changes as you go along your way and the Lord instructs you. 
So just in closing, let me just say this to you today. Thinking about the decisions that you have to make this week. Some of us need to make the Lord our treasure. If you've been trying to serve the Lord without treasuring the Lord, it's very frustrating. Some of us have been trying to serve the Lord and do what he wants, but kind of hold on to our old treasures. This doesn't work so well either. Some of you today need to get to that space where you make the decision to say, Lord, I'm going to treasure you and your ways above all else. Some of us today need to call a time out and say, you know what, I need to climb a tree. I have not any idea where I'm going right now in life. I just kind of feel lost. You need to stop and get up in a tree and get some perspective. Maybe that means calling somebody and asking them for their counsel. Maybe it means getting professional help. Maybe it means spending some time in the scriptures. You've been away for a long time and you need to reacquaint your heart with the Lord. But you need to have a sense of, hey, where am I going? And if I keep going down this path six months, two years, five years, will I like where it takes me? Some of you need to climb a tree. And some of you need to be reminded today that the Lord gives new, new chances every day. And maybe you would say, you know what? Uh, I've made some choices and I found myself injured as a result of them. And I've wondered if the Lord would ever welcome me back. And I say to you today, he does. And he invites you today and tomorrow when you wake up to choose again his path for your life. And he'd say, welcome back to you. Let me pray for us. God, today we pray for wisdom so that we can see how the decisions that we are making today are taking us down a certain path. That there's a destination just in front of us. So we pray for wisdom today to look and to see what that looks like and whether we really want to go there. And Lord, some of us today need to stop. We need to change direction. Because in two months, six months, two years, we're going to find ourselves in a place that we never wanted to go. Lord, some of us today need help. We need to meet with someone, to talk to someone, to get some perspective on where we are so that we can figure out where the next step is. Lord, and some of us today need to treasure you and treasure you more than anything else. And we need to get rid of old treasures, old things that we've just sought after and embrace you and who you are today. And give us the wisdom to discern which is best, we pray. Thank you.